I'm, th- I'm thankful that you're here today. Uh, we finished Second Corinthians last week, and we're we're actually traveling with Paul as he's gone through all of his missionary journeys. He's on his third missionary journey of just going around and starting churches. It's about 58 A.D. Remember, Jesus died in 30 A.D. approximately. Uh, so it's almost 30 years now that Jesus has come along and he's the long-awaited Messiah of the Jews. And so Paul, who was a Jew, a Pharisee, didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He actually killed people because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, had this miraculous transformation and understood that Jesus was absolutely the Messiah of the world, the one that they had been looking to for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so now he's this radical man. He's this radical man that absolutely loves Jesus is going around and starting churches all over Asia. And so he's on his third missionary journey, and today we wrap up that third journey. If you remember, last week we were in Troas, and uh, he was preaching from like dinner time to midnight in this third story room and some child was asleep in the window and fell out of the window and <laughs> it wasn't because of his preaching it was a smoky smoky room but uh Paul runs down basically throws himself on this child and says he's not dead he's no longer dead and he was raised from the dead so then Paul gets up Usually by that point, you know, nobody's thinking about anything else. I would say, okay, good night, thanks for coming. But he gets up and he preaches till dawn. (laughs) He just keeps going. And so that takes us to the next day. And I'm going to travel down here again and surf on this table uh, behind you. So get out of the way, Jeannie. Here I come. This is the easiest map for me to use uh, right here. But obviously, this is a Google map. This is current. This is current. Uh, look, Ukraine is right here at the top. You with me? Romania right there. And then, uh, so here's Jerusalem. This is where uh, Paul started his mission trip. He went up here all through Turkey. This, so this is Galatia and Ephesians and everything else. And then he comes over to Greece, and he's in Corinth. He's actually wrote Second Corinthians up here in Macedonia. He eventually comes to Corinth and busts their chops, so to say. And now he's like on his way back. We started making his way back. Let's go to the actual map. There, here we go. So now we've zoomed in. Again, here is uh, Jerusalem down here, if you can see that. And here's Corinth over here. He made us all the way back. We were up at Troas. That's where we left off. That's where we left off. Now watch. Acts 20, verse 13, says this. We went, you can leave the map up. I'll just read to him. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asosa. Now, look, Troas is there. Asosa is like right below it. Still there, still in the same area. And when it says we, who's writing this? Who's writing Acts? It's Dr. Luke. Luke's writing this. So it says, we went ahead on the ship and sailed for Asosa, where we were going to take Paul on board because these were his instructions since he himself was going by land. The dude just preached 
like 12 hours straight from like dinner time to dawn. And it says they got in the boat and they went down and he's deciding to walk on land. He stayed up all night preaching. So he's got all these followers that are just like, and he's continuing the dialogue as he's traveling. That's, that's what's going on. I'm, I'm just going to walk with these people. It's kind of crazy. He says, <clears throat> when he met us at Asosa, we took him on board and we went to Medellini. That's how you say it. Sailing from there, the next day we arrived off of Chios. So now look, here's Medellini right here below Asos. And then right there is Chios. The following day, we crossed over to Samosa. Samosa is right here. Luke is writing this, and he is very detailed. He's a doctor. He's taking all these notes. He says, uh, the following day, we crossed over to Samosa. And the day after, we came to Melitos, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. So now they're coming down to Melitos, and Ephesus is right here. All right? So he's coming down this way, and he scoots by Ephesus, which is where one of the churches he established on the first missionary journey was. He decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. He wanted to get there in time to celebrate Pentecost with the rest of the people. All right, now I'm going back over here. Thanks for holding that table. Thank you. I'll get back to the map here in a second. This is kind of a a big little part of the passage right here. He says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church when they came to him. So literally, he skipped by Ephesus because he knew if he went there, it was going to take up a lot of his time. But he like, if you have the elders come to Miletus and meet me there, I, I would love to talk to them. I'd love to encourage them. I'd love to hear what's going on in Ephesus. But that's going to save me time. He says, when they came to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day, the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not hesitate to proclaim anything to you that was profitable and to teach you publicly from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Now that, that's Paul right there. He literally reiterated what he has taught all along. He's a one-trick pony. He says the same thing everywhere he goes. Jesus died how many times? One time. He died for all sin, past, present, and future. He was buried. He rose again. He's now sitting next to the Father. They sent a spirit to live inside of you, the church. There is a holy, living, breathing God that has taken up residence inside of you. (laughs) There's a holy, living, breathing God 
that's taken up residence inside of you. Yes. If the church ever figures that out, if they ever figure that out, it's over. But until then, we keep teaching over and over and over, and Paul's doing the same thing. Just remember, this is what happened. Jesus is the Messiah. He's in heaven now, but he sent this spirit to live your life for you. He says in verse 22, And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the spirit. The spirit is totally leading. Like literally, he's saying to skip Ephesus. He's telling him this route to go, and Paul is listening to him. Not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. It's kind of like, I know what's coming, but I don't know how it's going to come. Like, I I don't know how this is going to play out, but I know that it's not going to be good. He says, but I consider myself of no value to myself. He literally said, This isn't about me. This isn't about me. It's not about my family. It's not about my ministry. It's not about me. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of God's grace. Keep teaching grace. I'm teaching grace till the last day of my life, he says. And now... I know that none of you among who I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He's he's got people that love him and care about him. Elders, they started this community, this church, all around him, and now he's he's getting real with them. I'm going to teach grace to the end, but this may be the last time that you see me. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. I've told you everything. I've told you. I'm not responsible for your salvation. I'm not responsible for the way that you live your life. There's no pressure on me as a pastor. It's not my job. As Matt said, It's his job to keep you. It's his job to live your life for you. You just have to let him. He says, I'm innocent of the blood of all you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He's processing, he's like, guys, I'm going to tell you one more time who you are in Christ. And then I'm going to be gone, and you're not going to hear from me again. Someone asked me this week, what happens to Levner when you're gone? (laughs) What happens to this right here? And... My basic answer was this. It's like, one, it's not about Sunday mornings. It's not about this right here. If you think this is what Levner is, then you're mistaken. This is cool. This is 
time for us to get together and uh, learn and process and talk and hear about what God's doing in each other's life. Um, it's probably going to take a little bit of organization on somebody's part. It's going to take a lot of communication. I mean, I do a little organization. I do a lot of communicating, but mostly it's about relationships. I mean, let's get down to it. it. This right here is about relationships. So if I'm gone, I think this continues because it's not about my relationship with you. It's relationship with each other. It's your relationship with Jesus. It's, <laughs> yeah, you have commonality with one another because of me, but you have a bigger commonality because of Jesus. That, that's the whole thing. That's You do these things for him, not for me. I sure hope so. And, and Paul, he's just like, you guys have to stay together. You have to keep meeting. You have to keep encouraging one another. You have to keep reminding each other about your identity in Christ. Because you all know the game. As soon as you walk out of here, the evil one's telling you something different. Really, up here, he's telling you that's not true. I'm this rotten, no good sinner. No, you're a holy, righteous, redeemed person that's been forgiven. And you, you, my friends, are the light of the world. It's you that goes out and you begin to tell people the same message. Verse 29, he says this, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning one of you with tears. He's saying, stick to identity in Jesus. Teach them forgiveness. Not the forgiveness where you kneel beside your bed and ask for forgiveness every night, but that you have been redeemed and forgiven one time and one time only of everything that you've done, doing, and will do. You walk in forgiveness. Teach, keep teaching them that. Teach them the Holy Spirit is in us. Teach them that He's walking with us. He's breathing for us. Every breath that we take is worship. Rick leads music up here. You sitting there breathing right now is worship. If I'm gone, the whole leavener thing, it's the change agent in a dough product that causes it to rise and transform while it's in a state of rest. You have been raised from the dead. Your life has been transformed to a new creation. And now all you have to do is rest. Just rest in Him. It's there. It's there. The teaching is there. Verse 32, he says, And now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. I haven't asked anything from you. 
You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, and it's in red letters, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When I left my former church and I walked away, I walked away from a salary. The only thing that my wife and I had was our savings. That was it. We walked away. And I sat with a group of men who are elders, and they said to me, hey, from day one, you need to be generous. And I'm like, generous with what? (laughs) They said, be generous. And the Lord has been very generous to us. In turn, we've hopefully been generous to you. And that's really what Jesus is saying here. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm not worried about receiving. I probably worry more about giving. Listening to the Spirit, prompting of the Holy Spirit, do this, do that. Yeah, do that. Be generous. In verse 36, after he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him. They covered him in kisses. That's just what they do there in the Middle East. It's a common thing. They just... You imagine? Paul just... This is it. Says grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I'm literally watching on the news as these families kiss their husbands and brothers and sons goodbye at the border. We may not ever see you again. That's what Paul was dealing with. That's what they were dealing with there. The church in Ephesus, same thing. It's like. So then he travels on. Throw a map back up there. After we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail straight for costs the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patera. He's basically go back to the um we're one ahead there. Sorry. Go back to the third missionary journey. There you go. So he's still working his way down that coast. He hasn't gotten to the Mediterranean Sea, but he's working his way along that coast. And finding a ship crossing over to Phoenice, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, Cyprus is the island there. It says passing to the south of it. You'll see the red line goes south of that little purple island right there. 
It says, after we sighted Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tira. Took five days of sailing from the one point all the way down to Israel. Now you can go back to that map, sorry. So now they're at Tira at the very top of that. This is Israel. He's made it back to the homeland. It says, since the ship was to unload its cargo there, we sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. They stayed seven days at Tira. Now, here's the interesting thing. The church that's at Tira was actually established when the Jews were dispersed from Jerusalem after Stephen was martyred. It hasn't connected with you yet. But Saul was standing there as a part of Stephen's stoning. This church that was established because they left the area from Stephen's ministry and Saul was a part of Stephen being martyred. Saul became Paul. So he shows up at a church that was established because Stephen was martyred and he was a part of that. That's awkward. It says, through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. They realized Paul's been transformed. Saul's been transformed to Paul, and they're like, don't go. Don't go, because we know what's going to happen. It says, when our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey, while all of them with their wives and children accompanying us out of the city. Again, it's the same thing. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and they returned home. Another, he's, he's like doing this last trip, and everybody's just like, don't go, don't go, this could be the end. Verse 7, it says, When we completed our voyage from, from Tira, we reached Ptolemy's where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day we left and we came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who is one of the seven, and stayed with him. Throw that map back up there. So we're at Tira, and he's coming all the way down the coast to Caesarea. In... 33 days, I'm going to be standing there in Caesarea. And I'm going to say to my friends that are with me, hey, remember that? This is where Paul came to end his third missionary journey? is right here. We're literally going to be standing in Caesarea. So they're staying with Philip, and it says he's one of the seven. Well, what's one of the seven? He's one of the original seven deacons of the church. If you go back to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, it talks about Philip being one of the original seven deacons. But now he serves as an evangelist. An evangelist meaning he's proclaiming Jesus everywhere he goes. It was some 20 years ago that Philip had come to Caesarea to establish this as his home base. 
And guess who Philip was associated with when he did that? Stephen, the martyr, again. So Paul travels from Tyra to Caesarea, and he's meeting all these people that were related to Stephen who he had killed. Again, a form of awkwardness. It had to be an interesting meeting. Oh, Paul. There was forgiveness. There was forgiveness. Verse 9, it says, This man had four virgin daughters. In other words, they weren't married. Who prophesied. They preached. They taught the gospel of Jesus just like their dad was an evangelist. Verse 10, it says, After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. You've heard this name before. You know when you heard it? September 22nd, 2019. That's when we were actually in Acts chapter 11. It's been that long since we've been, it's taken us that long to get from Acts 11 to Acts 21. Two and a half years. But in that passage, Paul and Agabus had worked together in this like famine relief program for Judea. So they weren't strangers. They knew each other from the previous time. And he came to us and he took Paul's belt, tied his own feet in his hands. He literally handcuffed himself to him, his hands and feet. Now he's going like Old Testament prophetic, dramatic style right this, right with this. He, he's taken Paul's belt off of him and tied himself up and he says this. This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. In other words, Paul, it's not going to be good for you. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. He's come all the way down the coast and everybody's like, don't go, don't go, don't go. He gets to Israel and everybody's like, don't go, don't go, don't go. Now he comes to Agabus, and Agabus is like, I- I'm telling you, I've seen this. This is what they're going to do to you. Don't go. But what's Paul doing? Paul's following the Spirit. Spirit may be telling all you, this is what's going to happen, but he's telling me to go. He said, He replied, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. There's nothing more important than proclaiming the name of Jesus. I put my life on the line. If that's what it's going to take, I put my life on the line. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except Lord's will be done. Isn't that what we do? We can't really help the people in Ukraine. So we're like, Lord's will be done. Let's pray for them. There's not much we can do. The Lord's will be done. I trust that. Last couple of verses. It says, after this, we got ready and we went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Manasseh. 
of Cyprus, an early disciple of whom we were to stay. So here's what happened. Paul leaves Caesarea. There's a bunch of Paul fans, a bunch of Jesus fans, and they're like, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem and watch this go down. And we're with you. We're with you. The eight men that had like traveled with them all over the inn are, are now with them. It was a journey of about 65 miles from Caesarea to Jerusalem. It took them three days by foot. If they had animals, it probably took them a couple of days. But now they're going to Jerusalem. <laughs> but, but think about Think about those two or three days, the fellowship that they had. All the disciples were going to Jerusalem. We don't know what to expect. We're trusting God. Paul, we're with you. I'm sure there was laughing. There was crying. There was taking meals together. All those things. Just reality of it all. But what, what a great encouragement it was for Paul have his brothers and sisters his friends by his side when he's getting ready to face death yeah the whole Ukraine thing I sit here and I look at the president of Ukraine Zelensky and he's just walking the streets and he's always got these men around him and he's like, I'll die for this. I'll die for our freedom. I'll die for our country. He's a Jew. I'm assuming he doesn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But he's got a mission. He's got a task. He's got all these people around him. And so uh, as my heart, my heart uh, is for this country and this situation, just as I'm assuming it is for you, I sit here and go, Lord, this, this is like same thing. Paul's like going in and it, it's a big deal. And so uh, today I'm just going to end by praying for our world. Lord, I, I trust you uh, in your word. We, we know uh, Paul's story because we have it, but we don't know Ukraine's story. And so at this point, we're just going to trust that you would protect those people, both the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia, that you would protect them just from evilness, that you will provide for them, that you will care for them, that they will know that you are a real living God. I pray for all the churches, the pastors, and the believers that are over there right now, just proclaiming the name of Jesus in the subways, trusting that the Lord's going to protect them, that, Lord, you would shine your face upon them, that you would keep them safe. Thank you for Paul's passion for the gospel, that it can be shared with us today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.